0: Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Alternative Podcast. The only podcast out there that links the best in alternative music along with the best in weekly golf betting tips. So, it's calm week. Um, we've had the uh, drama of the Masters uh, and um, as always, Augusta didn't fail to give us a cracking uh, cracking four days of action. It was a tough test. Um, it was uh, a test that... Uh, uh, some couldn't handle, notably the likes of Tyrrell Hatton, who I believe says um, he's not a fan of Augusta and it's not fair and blah, blah, blah. we uh, sure will come on to that in a bit. Uh, but uh, it was a tough test, but it wasn't too tough a test for Scotty Scheffler. Uh, never was there a more truer phrase than pick the man in form coming into Augusta. Uh, it's obviously talked about uh, that uh, it's uh, often an event where a current form. The guys who are basically stringing it all together just bring it into augusta and scotty sheffler was that man and i mean of course i can't I, I can't think of anyone obviously since tiger uh who's won four times in six starts we've had some great runs but um this is pretty incredible what's going on at the moment so um but um uh, anyway it's as i say hilton head week and of course i'm going to recap the masters talk uh hilton head but of course i'm always going to as always going to do it in the company of a guest uh and this week i'm delighted to have uh matt cooper joining us uh matt good evening are you there and how are you hello how are you doing yeah doing very well thank you good 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 um thank you so much for joining us and uh, uh i'm sure um, many of you all know matt for those of you who don't um he's uh uh, from a tipping point of view, you'll see him writing for Sporting Life, for Unibet, um, Planet Golf, but also uh, his um, journalistic skills well-renowned and uh, uh, I love reading his stuff myself and uh, you'll find him out there doing stuff for Global Golf, The Guardian, The Telegraph and basically uh, anyone who wants you, Matt, I think, and that's plenty of people. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. It's uh, uh, fabulous to have you on and uh, let's get straight into Augusta. How was your Masters? Um, did you enjoy it? Did you uh, win, shed
1: loads of money? And uh, how was it for you? Oh, uh, well, I, I feel a little bit uh, smug, actually, because um, <laughs> I was <laughs> uh, I was on Scotty Scheffler at 40s from just after Phoenix. And then at one point, I did screen grab the leaderboard because I was also on Smith at 40s anti-post and then um, Shane Larry 120s on Betfair and then I backed Corey Connors last week so at one point they occupied the top four uh, but on Saturday night I was absolutely I was panicking terribly I thought Sanjay in was going to win it and it make me look <laughs> right uh, I'm slightly <laughs> frustrated in that ultimately I didn't actually tip Scheffler when I was pretty in fact you, you mentioned um, I do uh, a UniBet column um, I did actually say that I, I, it was more as like a toss-up for me between Smith and Scheffler in last mm. week and I sort of went with Smith um mm. it, uh, i sort of think I, I got that wrong but also you, you 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 go with what you think in the week I, yeah. I mean, you can't overthink it too much afterwards um yeah uh but also i, I put shane larry up on my in my betfair mm. um column and I, it's it's strange i seem to have i think i i actually looked at some of the stats i've done for the unibet column and I, i've i've put shane larry up three times in the last nine days. And he's mm. he's done the job every single time. I, I'm pretty. Mm. Ev, uh, I was very confident of him at Port Rush. and ever since then, he's. I think he's. He, he didn't enjoy 2020 because he didn't like the quiet. But mm. since then, he actually spoke to the British media after Keewa Island last year, and he was very mm. very confident about how he's he's matured mm. and he understands a major week. And I think mm. even watching last week, you could kind of see. How he in his approach that he, he kind of gets what goes on in that week. Um, I think at the same time the fact he had a bit of a slow start uh, it kind of explains how he he it all got on top of him a little bit uh, at the weekend. I also thought I was messaging Dave Tindall, who I'm sure a lot of your um, listeners know well, both from mm. his work and also yeah. being on here. Uh, there was something about I think he got to a point on Saturday where he was playing so well. Mm he almost started doing daft things and it reminded me a few years ago i used to do i used to ghost chris wood's column uh at sky sports and i spoke to him the week after do you remember he very nearly won wentworth sort of six years before he did win it and and i spoke to him the next day and i said and i said what what do you think went wrong and he he said the problem is when you're playing very very well it almost tempts you into playing going for shots you shouldn't be going for Mm. Uh, mm. And he he felt he learned a really really big lesson there, and I sort of almost got the same sense with with Larry. You he, he could almost tell he, he thought, oh, heck, I'm playing really really well here," and he mm. was just going for everything. And and that that was just just prior to when he spun the ball back off the green at the ninth, and uh, yeah, and um, he, and that was shortly before he had his, his blow up on thirteen, uh, and it yeah. all went pear shaped. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, all in all, I thought I thought it was a. I didn't think it was a, a fantastic final day, but I thought the week itself was brilliant. I think it was really good fun seeing Tiger Woods back. It was excellent Yeah, fun. I... yeah excellent fun seeing Rory McIlroy enlivened live. And at the end, I know there'll be plenty of you who will justifiably say it's there's not a lot of point getting to the party late when everything's happened. Mm-hmm. But I think it it does offer a bit of, of, of hope for the future because I think it's good fun when he's playing really, really well. And I think... Um, uh, ben Cody made a good point, and I, I think I remember writing this when he he did quite well at Tory Pines last year. It was it wasn't just that he's not won a major since twenty fourteen. I think Tory Pines was only about the second time he's even been in contention for one with eighteen holes to get. He just doesn't get into contention. It's really bizarre.
0: Yeah, he does. I mean, basically he does what um Justin Thomas did this week. That's normally Rory's uh, master, oh major trick these days, isn't it? That uh he starts slowly and then sort of uh uh comes um comes a bit like a train towards the end, a bit like I suppose like he did, except he didn't um start quite as slowly as Justin Thomas did. So uh, um yeah, it, it's I mean Rory's I mean it was it, what, what you're saying about um how it's great when he's playing well and golf's better for it. I mean, undoubtedly, there's certain players. He's one. Jordan Spieth, another. That when they're when they're on a roll, they're just so great to watch that because uh, uh, they're not playing golf in that sort of surgical clinical sort of I don't know Dustin Johnson way when Dustin Johnson rips um a course apart um or or indeed like Scheffler's done of of late they're, they're sort of flying in this sort of flamboyant way aren't they and it's just um yeah it, it's um they're the sort of David Gowers of the golf world if you like so uh uh that's that's how I see him people like Rory and um jordan spieth and yeah it was fantastic to see him it was fantastic to see tiger back obviously i mean um i i will readily admit i was one of those people who thought that um i was sort of you know hi- hiding behind the sofa if you like on thursday afternoon because i thought it might just go horribly wrong and you know he might just sort of almost not even be able to walk the 18. but obviously he, he knew his body and you better than anyone else and uh um yeah um you know, the fact that he made the cut was was superb. Um, you know, incredible. I, I don't know. I mean when, do you think we'll see him at um, Southern Hills or do you think that's it till St Andrews for him? Um what, what do you reckon? Um
1: well I, I don't know. I think I think you got a I think he'll, he'll go there if he thinks he can make a, a decent fist of it. I think yeah, I yeah. think it's fairly obvious that um the notion of being at the masters that not it wasn't, it wasn't spoken of much. This, but I, I thought if if it had been twenty three years on from ninety seven or twenty four years on, would you have been yeah. so desperate to go back? Um, I, yeah. I, I kind of think that the twenty five year thing was a was a big thing for him, yeah. and I think yeah, also yeah. I think the fact that also this year is Saint Andrews that I think yeah. that's that's driven him as well, and I, yeah. I, I I I don't think I'm alone in suspecting that Southern Hills doesn't have the same attraction to him yeah, as yeah. Augusta and St Andrews but by the same score if if in two weeks time he's feeling that he's made some leap and he's in he's in good nick uh, I find it entirely possible that he'll be there
0: yeah I mean it wouldn't surprise me if as opposed to playing Southern Hills if um you know he just to sort of test the body out if you like or something he, he pops up at Memorial or something like that, you know, another course that he knows he can, oh, I know he's won at Southern Hills, but it's not a course he's played year in, year out, um, like Augusta or, or like Memorial, uh, Newfield Village, something like that. So, you know, maybe he'll pop up somewhere like that where yeah. he knows I, he spe- I suppose the
1: only other thing, the, the only other thing I can, I, I, and this has literally just popped into my head, so I've not really given this a lot of thought, but I'm thinking to myself, yes, Augusta was undulating and undoubtedly it fatigued him by the end but one thing he did know is that there's not a great deal of rough he's going to have to hack out of and he mm. kind of knows that's pretty much the case at saint andrews as well yeah yeah uh, true whereas yeah. other places and, and i don't know to what extent hacking out of thick rough might have mm. quite a nasty impact on his knees and his legs yeah. so that could be a potential um factor that he's had to bear in mind so you, you could be correct yeah. that he might actually test himself somewhere else
0: yeah. Um Yeah. Very good point. And I think basically, I mean, he said it himself, he's not going to be playing a full schedule. Assuming he doesn't get injured, we might see him, Um you know, sort of three, four, five times a year, something like that. He's not going to, Play week after week in the FedEx Cup playoffs or anything. I just don't don't think. Um, um, sadly, his body's up to it, but um, but it's uh, obviously it was fantastic to see him uh, coming back to my my week. Um, I mean, congratulations to you on jumping on Scotty Scheffler. I wasn't on him, and uh, I will be very honest. I was one of those in the camp last week going into last week where I thought. I can't back Scheffler at 16s. I can't back Cam Smith at 16. So I was sort of going with the tried and tested Justin Thomas's. Um, I was on Shane Lowry. So uh, really? my, my week was a case of sort of no damage done because I, I went with Thomas each way. I went with um, uh, Lowry each way and that basically just about covered the week. So uh, it was, uh, but I mean, I, I find, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, I find the Masters hard because, uh, uh, you know, as per my, picks tonight i sort of like to sort of perhaps get a little bit creative with some of my picks every week and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't but you only need obviously the odd 150 to one shot to pay off yep. and uh, you're doing very nicely but of course you're just not going to get that all guster i mean all right very very occasionally but yeah you know, uh, i think it was ben who said that eight of the top you know t- um 10 ohm or something were under 20 to 1 in the betting or something like that so um but um but all credit to scheffler uh it was an incredible performance uh he's, he's on a roll i mean i thought it was tiger's interview where he sort of downplayed it a bit and just sort of said yeah well, he's just uh uh you know on a hot streak at the moment isn't he sort of thing like i to freddie couples back in 92 or something i don't know if you saw I'm that interview. Int- yeah, yeah
1: i i'm intrigued you picked up on that because i thought that was a re- uh, quite a slightly pointed but also um quite an interesting perspective and and yeah um i've looked to see if other people have picked up on that today and i don't think many people have so i i was quite intrigued by that and and also because it, it actually i'm reading a book that's been written uh by bob harrig the, the american journalist called tiger and yeah. phil it's okay. it's it's all about their rivalry uh yeah. which is slightly weird because it's like a non-rivalry because mm. they both had great careers at pretty much the same time yeah, it doesn't really feel like Arnie oh, and Jack, does it? Or 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 any yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't feel like a, a f- sort of festering competitor. But the book actually reveals that it kind of it kind of has been a bit like that actually. Um Just maybe we didn't know to, to quite to what extent that was sort of yeah. um, going on. Um, yeah. But there was a point when Tiger did make a little dig at Phil, a bit about just being in a. A little sweet spot and people have them and almost downplaying yeah. those as saying, yeah. you know you really prove yourself when you do it through three mm. or four years of superb golf mm.
0: yeah 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 uh, i think that's you, you know with Scheffler, he was you know i think we i'm sure he um and i saw he sort of tweeted out congratulations amazing performance and all the rest of it but uh uh i think he was just trying to keep him in Check sort of you know, uh, just saying. Okay, well it's, it's great for a couple of months, but let's see if uh, let's see like you say if he's doing it still this time next year, or if it's just another a purple patch. But whatever it was, I'm sure Scotty Scheffler's not complaining of um, mm. uh, a hugely booming bank balance, and of course more importantly four titles in six starts and a major. So um, even if he never wins again, I'm sure he'll be remembering the uh, the early part of 2022 with with huge fondness. And um, uh, I'm hoping it's not as good as it gets for him. But my first song for this week for the pod uh is going to be um i think the second time we've had gene on the pod i don't know if uh, uh you're um uh, much into sort of um uh gene at all as we, if you know them matt from uh sort of a considered a, a smith's wannabes but i thought they were a lot better than that to be honest so Martin, uh, uh, Ross, yes I, I,
1: I i'm trying to remember there was one particular song that i i, I did have one of their albums but i can't, I can't remember what it was but the one particular Olympia, song perhaps? i don't know but i can't remember there was, uh, there's one song that i'm I'm, I can't, I'm, I can't scratch the itch off the top of my head. No worries. no
0: worries. Well, if you remember, let me know. But in the meantime, the first song on this week's pod, which of course you can listen to afterwards, uh, I share the link out on Spotify. Sadly, we can't put the songs on the pod for copyright reasons, but it's uh, as good as it gets by Gene, and um, it's uh, uh, an absolute belter. It. It's one of the later tracks, but um, it's uh, a, a tremendous tune. Uh, Martin Rossiter in full flow. So that's my uh, uh, my first song for the pod this week, and hopefully, it's not as good as it gets for Scotty Scheffler, and uh, I'm sure there'll be more wings coming uh, down the line and possibly more majors this year, the way he's playing at the moment. So so before we get into Hilton Head, uh, something I'm always keen to uh, uh, talk to my guests about, Matt, is um, what got you into this weird and wonderful world of golf tipping slash golf journalism? Um, Were you a golfer first and foremost, or was it more the journalistic or the betting side that got you into it? How how, how did you end up uh, in this game, as it were?
1: well in terms of how i got into golf um I, I, I had the very good fortune to be brought up in in shropshire in the 1980s uh which meant that i was in a sort of weird little sweet spot uh for sort of success at that time of year so uh, sandy isle was from just up the road and so was ian woosnam and yeah. so i can remember uh masters nights uh quite fondly because it sounds like slightly absurd but a bit like that sort of bill mclaren line about they'll be dancing mm-hmm. in the streets of shrewsbury uh um, yeah. when, when sort of but it, it sort of felt like that it almost felt like you could go out of the you know when woosman when lao won it felt like you'd go out of the door and you could hear everybody cheering from every every sort of household uh and then i i kind of off the back of that i got into golf played golf loved it uh and then uh, sort of contemporaries of 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 mine did quite well. Like Michael Welch might be a name that a few of your listeners might recall. Mm. He was he was he played the Open uh, a couple of times. Uh, Scott Drummond won uh, Wentworth. Uh, I don't know Scott personally, but friends, he was friend of a friend, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and just golf was it was a it was a boom sport in the in the country, but very much a boom mm. sport in my neck of the woods, uh, mm. and and yeah, so I saw. I Loved the game. Uh even to the strangely, even last week I bumped into my old cricket captain and discovered that Mm. uh a bit older than me, but he actually he he learned the game with Sandy Lyle. So was actually able to say to me that everybody who played at Hoxton Park, which is where Sandy played, they were all Mm. taught by Sandy's dad and they all hit draws because of the special way that alex lyle taught people to to hit the ball and the first thing yeah, i thought okay. but, uh, this 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 is the the betting part of my head first first thing i thought was it's no uh, the the seeds of sandy's success at augusta national was sown that with his dad's teaching because uh, okay. yeah. like the, the draw yeah. was there but um it, yeah. i'm also very fortunate I, I you know i'll go and play golf at county Monaco osbystery where woosnam played yeah. and you bump into yeah. people there and you just you hear these great stories about like how he how he got into the game and and how he used to play with sandy and would tell all his teammates i'm going to be i'm going to be on the european tour like sandy and they'd all poo poo him and go no you're not you're rubbish uh and and yeah. he, he just he worked so hard one winter to try and get better and they all say like he, he he went he he went into the winter sort of like a two three handicapper he came back from that winter as like a sort of plus two plus three handicapper and it was a different mm. and 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 what he created in that winter in a barn, hitting balls into a carpet, was he created the swing that everybody said was like the most naturally brilliant swing? And it's quite well, interesting. Okay. I've met I've met him since, and yeah. I'm aware I know that he 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 doesn't like the he doesn't like being told that he's a natural because he he'll say oh, yeah, I worked really hard to be that natural, mm. um, and yeah. it's it's very much a, a belief in his. And I think I think it's actually something that an awful lot of of people who who appear to be naturally brilliant. They get slightly narked when they're told that because they put a lot of hard work into it. Um, And and it's very much the case with him. And you you speak to people who played with him and it's very, very clear that that's the case.
0: Yeah. So you you sort of had the love of golf and the, the sort of, as you say, the sort of links with you where you were brought up. And then that was sort of tied in with the fact i'm assuming at that point you realized you in, enjoyed writing and and sort of it all it all merged together from that point of view or...
1: well it's, my, my story getting into what i did is it's a bit of an odd one i really wanted to be a sports journalist when i was a kid then mm. um, i went on ashes tour in the 90s and overheard some journalists talking and thought they sounded like quite a bitter bunch of gentlemen and didn't really mm. want to do it uh, they were slightly disillusioned by the fact that england were rubbish at the time uh, <laughs> i i didn't want to be disillusioned by what i loved so i i went off and worked in travel for years uh and then around about probably 2006 i met dave Tyndall, and we hit it off he became he thought there was a an itch i wanted to scratch and so sort of uh we discovered we both loved um betting um uh, i can actually i i do know for a fact my very first bet on golf well actually i can remember i used to go i started going to the open in 1994 and my friends who who took me they all like to have a bet on it and i can remember mm. thinking they're absolutely off their heads why would you mm. why would you bet on golf 156 people trying to pick okay. one i thought it was lunatic and then my yeah. first my, my first actual bet was uh ala faubel at the 98 us masters so i was right. uh, uh, which was a winner so i was like yeah i, I, I must have been hooked by that uh, yeah. and I, yeah. I didn't know where that came from i've got no knowledge of what what made yeah. me think that that was going to happen but yeah dave, dave dave basically fostered my interest and one thing led to another basically and i i owe an enormous amount to dave Tindall um, mm-hmm. um because he, he kind of changed uh changed the sort of direction of, of what i did for a living so i'm very very thankful to him
0: well okay i didn't uh well I didn't, obviously not any reason i would have known that but uh um that's um yeah that's uh well fascinating but uh uh but what uh pick up on something you mentioned there there was i was on a lot bell as well in 98 so i remember i had me, oh, had me two had me two pound each way on him or something so uh, uh i remember that with uh fondness that was probably one of my earliest um golf bets as well so uh yeah we probably uh started on it around the same time so um so a, a bit of a sort of um as you're probably getting from uh as you're starting to listen to this we're, we're sort of going with the um Shall we say the sort of postmaster's Hilton Head laid-back vibe this week? So uh, uh, the music's probably going to be a bit weird and wonderful, and the <laughs> stories will keep flowing, and somewhere in there there'll be some golf bets as well. So um, I think this is as good a good time as any to introduce your first uh, um, first uh, pick musical pick, um, Matt, and I suspect this will be the first and last time that this. Uh, gentleman i shall say will be um uh picked as a, a as an alternative music pick on the pod so uh, tell
1: us all about it yeah well I, I i thought i would go with the shropshire connection so this is a this is a song called a shropshire lad um sung by sir john betjeman now many people will be slightly surprised and and flabbergasted that sir john betjeman is singing this but um he, he sort of sings slash um reads his poem, which is, it's a poem, not the A. E. Housman famous Shropshire lad, but about a fellow called Captain Matthew Webb, who is the first fella to, to swim across the, uh, I almost said the Atlantic, but he didn't do anything quite so magnificent. <laughs> he just swam across the English Channel. Um, but funny enough, I went to the same primary school as, as Matthew Webb. Um, uh, so there's that link as well, but um, the Shropshire link. Uh, but what I particularly like about this is uh, when the song um, uh, uh, was 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 done by so John Betjeman. It's like a sort of, it's like a brass accompaniment to it. And I was introduced yeah. to this by uh, there's a, there's a very good uh, BBC documentary on the Sound App called Betjeman's mm-hmm. Banana Blush. And it's presented by Jarvis Cocker. All right.
0: Basically, okay.
1: bas- basically, this album is uh, inspired like loads of people. So actually, uh, a Shropshire lad. It was named Single of the Week by New Music by Enemy, um, and. Okay. Uh, people like like madness uh sid barrett even the clash have all said they were influenced by by the album it's fair, okay. like it's just very and i don't know how much you know about john betjeman i quite like john betjeman he's like i'm not mm. really i'm not massively into poetry but what i quite like about him is he's easy because he rhymes <laughs> he's mm. got a nice yeah. but um yeah. but also he's he's just got like quite a quite a glum sense of humor mm-hmm. Which um, okay. I quite like, and then just to toss something else, in, he he's famously um, buried in the church, which is in the middle of um, Saint Enodoc Golf Course in Cornwall. So I've right. I've I've managed lunatically to to link Ian Woosnam, Sir John Betjeman, Sandy Lyle, and um, Cornwall in and Jarvis Cocker in one song, which um, that takes sounds good during. to me.
0: So yeah, that sounds sounds good to me. Um, I listened to it. Um, yesterday, for the first time, I will confess and enjoyed it. And when we listen to it, I always listen to my playlist when I'm walking the dog the following morning and what have you. So, um, but I was intrigued. I haven't actually listened to this yet, and um, some uh, some listener might tell me if it's a cover version or just something completely random. But there is also a uh, uh, "A Shropshire Lad" by Half Man Half Biscuit on um, Spotify. So I've no idea if that's a cover version, as it were, or if it's uh, something completely random and different that they just decided to give the same title to. So I'll probably. Just to the half man half biscuit version at some point but uh uh, but that's not what we're getting on the pod this week we're getting the john betjeman version so uh that's our first musical second musical pick first one from matt um so let's move on um enough masters chat and um let's uh, talk uh, hilton head uh the rbc heritage classic and um uh obviously this is an event that is Traditionally, um, the event that follows uh, the Masters, and uh, it only wasn't in that slot um, uh, once, I think, in the last 30-odd years. A couple of years ago, when uh, this tour came back after the COVID hiatus, uh, it, uh, it got a slot um, uh, sort of second event back. But otherwise, uh, every year it follows on uh, from the Masters. Uh, and of course, um, is a completely different type of event. Uh, uh, it's uh, par 71. Uh, 7,100 yards, it's a pink dye design so of course you can cross-reference with uh, the likes of Sawgrass and TPC River Highlands and also the stadium course used for the American Express, there are your other uh, Pete Dye links, if you like, um, but uh, also, of course, for those who have seen it over the years, you'll know it's a basically it's a short coastal track, so where it can be wind affected. So obviously, you sort of a uh, uh, can pull out your form books from your your YLA Country Club's host of Sony Open, your RSM Classics, uh, your Bermuda Championship, uh, Puerto Rico Corrales, Pebble Beach, all, all these short coastal tracks um, uh, where where um, uh, the wind can be in play. You'll see players play well pop up at those different courses so uh tiff eagle uh, bermuda greens um and um the key to this track is not only finding the fairway but even finding the right parts of the fairway because if you're in the wrong parts of the fairway you can still be blocked out by trees so um it's um it, it's it, it's a it's a plodder's course um and um it's one that uh You'll see that um, plot is perhaps a bit unfair, but you'll see the the sort of history of the winners here: Jim Furyk, Matt Kuchar, G-Mac. Webb Simpson, um, CT Pan, Satoshi Kodaira, uh, where's Brian, Brandon Grace, They're, none of them are what you call the bombers off the tee, um, uh, there's no one who's hitting it 330 yards here taking it away. Stuart Sink last year's winner, is pretty long off the tee, but uh, otherwise it's um, a case of sort of precision navigation uh, around the course. Um, Anything you'd want to add to that, Matt, is what, what are you looking for here and, and what type of player are you looking at? Similar sort of vibe, I'm guessing.
1: Uh, completely. Um, I think the only thing I'd add is uh, uh, reading your preview and, and also being aware of this thing. That you you uh, Coming straight after last week, uh, often fellas who've been up in contention are probably a little bit mentally fatigued, uh, actually physically fatigued from going up and down all the hills yeah. and things. Um, so they don't have a, they don't have a sparkling record. So it's, it's one of those week it's, I mean, sometimes it's a bit of a strange one with these ones because the, you know, it it tends to be the case these days, doesn't it, that elite golfers are actually a big hitters as well. So sometimes they don't even play. So the records don't appear that good. So it's it's sometimes that can be a little bit deceptive, but, um, I, I think this week particularly, I'm, I'm fairly happy to, um, to take on the top of the market. Um, mm. I, 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 there is one who I've put, I've, I'm, I'm sitting in for. I don't. We mentioned this yet. I'm sitting in for Ben Collier at Sporting Life this week. Uh, I have right, put yeah. somebody up from from near the top of the of the betting, yeah. but in general, I've I've gone further down.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you picked up on a very good point there. The the track record of of people who have been really in the heat of the battle at Augusta is is not strong from a winner's point of view here over over the years. Um, uh, Matt Cooch is the one who stands out back in 2014. He'd been fifth Augusta uh, last year when the aforementioned Dave Tindall, I believe, had a very nice touch on Stuart Sink. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, um, he, a brilliant piece of uh, uh, profiling, if you like. He, he picked up on, obviously, Sink's amazing record post majors and uh of course he'd been um uh in good nick was on his renaissance with his son on his bag but um um stewie had been 12th at uh, augusta the week before but otherwise we're looking at um uh players who either didn't play at augusta or missed the cut at augusta and and yeah so i'm, I'm like you very much looking to uh to a certain extent to, to to shy away well pretty much totally from my point of view looking to shy away from people who are in the uh uh forerun of things um uh, last week so uh the betting market it's um uh, i mean it's a very strong field this week actually yep. so i mean you know i don't know if there's some kind of a secret appearance money being thrown in or something <laughs> a bit unfair but uh Morikawa and Justin Thomas and Cam Smith i mean obviously Cam Smith got a bit of a Pete Dye Dio- record and Sony open record as well. So um, uh, now, so I guess he sees it as his kind of track, but, um, uh, but yeah, Morikawa, JT, uh, Cam Smith at the uh, front of the betting Then DJ Patrick Cantlay, who's played well there before uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, um, who, um, Uh, professors, this to be his favorite course on tour, but he's yet to hugely show it here. But maybe this will be the week, I don't know. Uh, and then Shane Lowry, who, as we've said already, have been playing some great golf of late. But you have to wonder if he's sort of, um, uh, you you know, gonna be a little bit, um, burnt out from last week, but, um, uh, maybe not. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, um, actually, we're gonna talk before we, um, before we roll into uh the first picks and uh um i guess talking about shane and um uh also talking about rory i think this is probably a good time um to bring in another of your mu- musical selections for the week because uh um i don't know if shane is going to be the man this week but he was very much the man i believe uh, uh when you were on him at port rush so uh, tell us more
1: yeah that's that's correct um yeah, so my second pick is a is a slight, is again a, absurd in a different way to Sir John Betjeman. It's that it's that well known uh, Spanish um, poet. Uh, uh, I've got I, uh, Enrique Iglesias. I almost called him Julio. Um, at the, I'm, I'm so old, I'm so old that his dad is, is is higher in my popular culture brain than than the son. Uh, but yeah, Hero by Enrique Iglesias might not might not make it onto your podcast ever again, possibly because you'll, you'll ban it. But um, it does. <laughs> I, it, I have. It, I hold this song uh, quite dear to my heart for a very bizarre reason, uh, and it's because um, Port Rush was a uh, was a fine week for the Open in twenty nineteen. Uh, for for many reasons, I was very lucky. I got to go to Northern Ireland a few times during the year. I got to know an awful lot of people who were in Port Rush, uh, I got to know them very well. Really liked them. Could see how the town was getting very excited about it. Um, uh managed to bizarrely get a fairly good priced house and it was a brilliant house of dave uh was there ben was there a guy called nick metcalf who's one of the great uh great raconteurs of uh golf journalists he works for the metro brilliant on twitter again a magnificent follow and we had a, so we had a great time that week uh and of course everybody expected rory to have a great week going back to northern ireland the tournament was all all about him and then of course he had that absurd first day when he hoiked his t-shirt out of bound off the first uh, and, and got worse from there on in but the reason this song has a um, uh, strong affinity for me is that then of course he rory had that 65 on the second day and everything about that day was really quite bizarrely special i was in the tented village as rory teed off and when his ball found the fairway the cries of joy and laughter in that Village were just absolutely mm-hmm. magnificent and it there was no mocking in it everyone was just having a great time and it but slowly the momentum built in that round and people started to follow him but there were just like mm-hmm. classic Rory things I'll never forget that he got to the uh, he got to a par three that the I, th- I think the people around Rory something like eight of nine people birdied the par three and he bogeyed it just when he needed a birdie <laughs> and then the next hole was the toughest hole in the course he found the middle of the fairway, found the middle of the green, drained a six-foot putt for Birdie. And mm. for me, those two holes encapsulate, encapsulate everything about Roy McIlroy because mm. he makes the easy look impossible and then immediately yeah. makes the impossible look easy. And it's mm. and he did it again on the, the next hole. That hole that goes up the hill, he had like 95 mm. yards to the pin with his second shot, air the green, put it in a bunker, and he made par. But then he goes and plays Calamity Corner, brutal par three that he'd made a complete mess of the, the previous day any he birdies it again just lunatically brilliant and uh, on the 18th green he needed birdie he missed the green but as that chip was about to be played the electricity around the 18th green was greater than i've known it when the winners have, have, have come up people were so excited it was brilliant and of course there. Rory got very emotional because he admitted that he, he he could not believe how excited everybody had got. And then yeah. the reason why it's uh, a hero is we went to a bar that night and somebody started singing that on karaoke. And I'm not joking. The entire bar stood up and started singing it. And it was incredibly emotional. And the blokes at one point just went, we're doing this for Rory. And the whole place just went nuts. And uh, <laughs> one of my favourite days ever at a golf tournament. It's fantastic. And oddly, of course, he was almost as brilliant yesterday. In he that was, round. yeah. And, yeah. It, and it was superb just to see the smile on his face and the happiness at the yeah. end. I, you just hope that there is a, there's undoubtedly a weight on his shoulders. Uh, yeah. And it's that, it's that weight. that I, I'm sure we've all been through it, not in the same, mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. sense. But when there is something that you know you can do, but no matter which mm-hmm. way you try to approach it, you seem to be doing the wrong thing, and you don't need you should change your approach, or stick with this approach. And and it's such a frustrating process. So, let, uh, fingers crossed that at the very least he starts to contend again.
0: Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, uh, he. How should we put it? it it's it's so frustrating to watch at times and, and bizarre really because i mean he's still you know everyone talks about how he's been frustrating over the last 12 months and hasn't you know contended in the majors how he should have done and uh you know the amount of times he, he looks like he could be about to nick a tournament and then s- does something stupid like you say but he still won twice on the pga tour in the last 12 months which <laughs> i know for a man of his caliber is uh, you'd say maybe he should be winning four times or something but uh uh you know justin thomas hasn't Won since the Pliers in 2020. Justin Johnson hasn't won since 2020 Masters. So I'm sorry, 2021 Pliers for Justin Thomas. Uh, uh, so it's, it's, it's not easy
1: to win. <laughs> and, um, well, actually, uh, actually Justin you know, Thomas is a very good example. Um, yeah. I, I cannot recall the precise numbers off the top of my head, but I think it's something yeah. like 17 in his last 34 starts. Justin mm. Thomas has been top six at the yeah. end of yeah. rounds one, two, or three. Right. so in other words he's been the front page mm-hmm. of the leaderboard so he's been contending and he's only won one of them and, uh, and he's aware of that if you if you read his transcripts from press conferences he, he keeps saying you know i'm getting into contention but i've i've kind of lost the knack of of winning and it's uh, hey. it's a strange business i mean th- that isn't it that difficulty of winning think back to when mm-hmm. matt wallace first cropped up on tour uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, th- there was lots of chatter about all oh, this guy knows how to win. Uh, sometimes mm. you, uh, is it law of averages that he he just got mm. his wins in early and now he's having to experience that it's actually a bit more yeah, difficult yeah. Than
0: that. Uh, and you get, I mean, another good example of that is Xander Shoflay. He won a few times yeah. early, didn't he? And, uh, uh, and now suddenly everyone's saying that you know he's got um you know problems with um you know between the ears when it comes down the stretch or, or or what have you and uh uh then you get another guy like coke Rack who couldn't win and suddenly you know he's winning for fun and uh it wouldn't surprise me if in 18 month's time i mean don't be wrong I'm, you know i wouldn't be surprised if he won again next time he starts but equally I wouldn't be surprised if we were sat here in 18 months' time, if this pod's still going, um, and um, saying... It will be. (laughs) uh, Scotty Scheffler, 18 months without a win now, you know. Do you think he's uh, lost the that, how to win? Because it's, it's, um, you know, it's just such a tough, game to it the strength in depth is is so great that uh uh and as i say rory you know he's won twice in the last year but he seems he seems to get a lot more frustrated with himself whether it's just because each year's ticking by and he's not won a major and that's the bit that's really frustrating him um since 2014 obviously and uh um but he just seems He's, you know, you see a lot more emotion from him now, obviously the Ryder carper of course, and, and then, you know, earlier this year, the sort of shirt uh, episode, and, and uh, he just seems to show the frustration a lot more now, whether that's just yeah. the year that's ticking by, I don't know. But as you, as you say, um, it was fantastic to see yesterday, and I'm sure it was fantastic to see that um, Friday in Port Rush. and for, for that reason, we'll allow Enrique on um, into uh, uh, the world of alternative music. And, um, uh, yeah, so let's move on then to the picks for this week and um i'm gonna let you uh go in first um uh matt because i believe you're taking one from like you've already mentioned from pretty near the front of the market who was wouldn't say he was in the heat of the battle last week because he came with a little bit of a late run like rory but uh someone who certainly was prominent on the final leaderboard you're gonna uh, chance this week i believe
1: yeah yeah uh one for the top for me carol and that is um uh colin morikawa <laughs> And yeah, um, you, you prefaced a, a point that I'm going to make, which is that I don't, th- I don't think he will have been especially fatigued last week emotionally and, and mentally by his performance. He, he sort of ticked along quite nicely. He, he was quite an interesting person to, to read about before the tournament because he admitted that he'd been trying to hit a draw at Augusta in his first two starts. And that he'd basically he'd gone back there and just like gone right. I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit my fade and just find a way of 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 using a fade and um and actually recorded his best finish at Augusta. Um all the more impressive, really, because I, I I his approach works, which of course is one of his great strengths, hasn't been fantastic this year. Um, but um it was better last week and it was particularly good in that final mm-hmm. round when um he scooted into a top 10 finish so that that mm. impressed me and then mm. i just looked at his two performances on the course i i like the fact that some of his best tea to green work has come at um while i which you've already mentioned mm. is very similar colonials not not a million miles away it's yeah, slightly yeah. different in that it's not by the sea but it's 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 dog legs and yes, it's yeah. it's, pl- it's plop it down the fairway and then plop it on a small yeah. green um and then you look at his two performances in the tournament the first one i'm willing to get i think he finished tied 64th i can give that a bit of leeway to that because it was a week after he really should have won at colonial yeah but he missed yeah. a couple he missed a tiddler in regulation and a tiddler mm. in the playoff uh, so he's probably feeling a bit of a chump that week uh, mm. but then, then last year he was second behind stuart sink heading into the final round and I think he just pushed a little bit in that final round, trying yeah. to trying to play catch up and finish seventh. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm fairly confident that it, his best game is a nice fit for the course. And mm, yeah. and I, I I think he played quite nicely last week, and and won't be um, won't be too knackered. So uh, and it was also a little bit I wanted somebody from the top and everybody around him. i um, Justin Thomas. Uh, I've already mentioned he, he seems to have lost the ability to win. Lowry yeah. uh, will be a bit tired, I suspect. Cameron Smith, to say, uh, Cameron Smith was looked very deflated, didn't he? After, yeah, yeah. I, I felt a bit sorry for Radar Riley uh, when Radar Riley, because he, uh, as he went off the twelfth, he said something about <laughs> about he won't be changed by what I'm on the twelfth, uh, uh, yeah. which which possibly might have been the, the worst prediction uh, of yeah. the year, uh, because we yeah. then just saw absolutely every uh, the, the poor boy deflated like a, a balloon. Um, yeah. I yeah. I I I think he'll get over that. I think it was very impressive that he's having he a having a smile with his caddy. Um yeah. I can't remember what hole it was a couple of holes later. I think he is the kind of guy who'll get over it, but um a, a hangover this week would would be not surprising.
0: Yeah, you you have to think um that Cam Smith will win. Augusta, one day, the way he plays the course, the way he obviously loves it, you, you would, I mean, none of us know what's going to happen. He could, uh, he could lose his game or, or whatever, but, uh, you have to think, uh, assuming he sticks around, which I'm sure he will at the top, uh, uh, top of the game for the next few years, that one, one year will be his year there because, um, uh, he, he just obviously loves it there. But, uh, uh but back to Morikawa. Yeah. He, he was the one guy I, Give, gave any serious contemplation to from the very top of the market because for all the reasons you mentioned uh uh obviously he's a good fit here he's, he's um his approach play is is perfect for for what uh hilton heads tests are so um uh, uh, I, yeah.
1: I have just no, I, I, another one by the way dustin johnson's up there and um i did mention in my sporting life column that you know um i i i didn't want to sporting life to be uh, have some sort of uh, litigation against it because uh, I, I was yeah. going to say something keeps dragging him back because he's played six times and hasn't got a top 10 and i was i, I i'd come up with some torturous metaphor about the lighthouse guiding some people uh, safely through the trees and and other people <laughs> like dragging them onto rocks and and i sort yeah. of suggested that b- perhaps DJ kept going back because there was a mermaid that was tempting him. But I, 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 <laughs> okay. didn't want, I didn't want some horrible lawsuits to emerge from that. Um, but um, somebody has just replied to me on Twitter um, with with the reason why DJ keeps going back. Uh, it is RBC sponsorship. Oh, um, uh, right. So and he's entirely... also
0: South Carolinian, isn't he, I think? Yeah. By, so so, um, so, so,
1: so, that, so that, that kind of explains why he keeps yeah. going back. Uh, the, the other yeah. one who would interest me, in normal circumstances, Patrick Canclay let got yeah. twice third seventh yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah that's a good track record for four starts um yeah um, i've come with another tortuously lunatic metaphor i just think he just looks really quite grumpy this year i mean strangely he, he and he and john rahm both but i mean i mean patrick yeah. cantley I mean, my metaphor was he looks like a regency period gentleman reluctantly <laughs> attending a ball it's, it's just <laughs> he doesn't want he doesn't look like he wants to be anywhere it's like Really, really well he's, he's won 10
0: million dollars plus last year back in the last year maybe he's just having a little bit of a hangover from that um i, I don't know but he's um i, I mean he's quite um you, you know i think it was Bennett alluded to this in his sort of masters um pieces up, up in advance that um he didn't necessarily think that uh the, the way he'd sort of approached augusta from the point of view of uh, um uh you, you know where he'd played or how much he'd played was was necessarily uh um the the right way forward not that we're supposed to know what the best thing is for patrick (laughs) i'm sure he knows it better than we do but uh um yeah so he's he's quite lightly raced so maybe um uh maybe we'll see him start to push on a bit now as we get into sort of uh may and june and 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 what have you but um but like you say he's um he he certainly didn't uh cut uh too enthused figure last week did he so uh but um yeah, my my first uh, pick this week. Uh, I'm um, those um, who know me. Will know that uh, you won't be surprised to to know that I'm sort of rolling the dice a little bit this week. Uh, and um, my my first pick uh, for this week is uh, going to be Matt Kuchar. Uh, and um, uh, we, I think uh, Matt um, obviously um, he spent his college days in georgia and uh uh he missed out on the trip to augusta last week uh first major he's missed i think since 2015 masters so i'm sure that's not gone down very well with him so i'd like to think there's a bit of a steely determination for him to put that right and get himself back to augusta next year uh and uh, of course we know this is an event that's been pretty kind to the veterans over the years. Since last year of course most, most recently uh but um yeah kuchar he's um he's been struggling with his approach play this this season is, is very much been the uh, the issue but it starts to turn the corner a bit and his last couple of starts uh 16th at the Valspar and then the runner-up showing in um uh, uh Texas a couple of weeks back when he was uh, obviously trying to get the W to get into Augusta so so we started to trend again in the right direction and um uh my my hope is that he's gonna build on that. Uh his, his short game's been on fire, so he just needs to continue with the improvement uh, that we've seen those last couple of starts in his approach play and continue to sort of bring that forward another notch and hopefully the hot putter that uh he's had um uh last uh, last few starts and this season as a whole will still will still be there. He's ranked in the top ten in putting and around the greens, I believe. Uh so he comes to a course that we know he likes obviously he's won here before uh he's been runner up here before he's got numerous other um, strong performances uh he's won a sawgrass so that's obviously um he- you know, rubber stamping again that uh, uh, he enjoys a peak die design. Uh, he's one that um, uh, Wileye, which um, obviously we've already talked about. Uh, he's one at the Maya Cobra. So, uh, y- you know, we know where, especially as Matt gets older and perhaps uh, any power he might have had back in the day, not that he was ever really a power player, is um, diminishing. Uh, these are the kind of spots that he's going to be the biggest threat at, and uh, I don't think he's done yet at 43. Uh, I think uh, there's plenty of golf in him yet. And, um, I think at 50 to one, he's, uh, uh, he's good each way shout this week. Um, I've gone, uh, eight places, 50 to one fifth of the odds. Uh, and, um, yeah, my, my hope is that he'll have been smarting at home last week and he'll come back out, uh, uh, build on, uh, what we saw in the previous two starts and, uh, put it all together at, uh,
1: uh, of course we know he,
0: and he likes, um, uh, any thoughts on Smiley Matt? Was he someone who came on your radar at all, Matt? Uh,
1: he was, and um, so I've uh, I've backed and tipped five at Sporting Life, and uh, Kucha was the sixth man. If the, uh, I crossed his name out um, ultimately, but yeah, I, I, he came very close for all the reasons that um, that you suggest. Uh, yeah, yeah, can't add a great deal to that. The only thing I would say about Matt Kucha is he's he's one of those. Um, you know, if you're in the supermarket and and a mother tells a child with your name and you, you sort of flinch thinking you've just been um, told off. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Kucha has that because I always think people are about to talk about me and I'm like, what? The hell? God, what? Um, it, it, it has exactly the same effect as that as, as somebody um, um, surprising me in the supermarket. Um, <laughs> yes so yeah i i think he's i think he's got a great and also i think he you were talking about the veterans it's not entirely out yeah. of the question that he quite liked a little bit of what stuart sink got last year so yeah. Uh, yeah yeah very good
0: brilliant okay before we move on to uh your next couple of selections obviously you mentioned um you've done the column this week for uh sporting life um and um uh If we read Matt's column this week, we might see, uh, um, we we might be able to work out, or perhaps I'm I'm putting this the wrong way. There is a a musical pick that you think um, potentially influences your writing style slightly, and I'm intrigued to hear about this. So uh, uh, tell us more with your your next uh, musical selection, and we'll see if when I reread your column, I'll see if I can pick up on the influence there that you're referring to.
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure how much it comes out in the column um, (laughs) this week, but. I think if you are a particularly forensic um um reader of of the stuff I might do for like Planet uh planet sport golf, um I, I think you probably would see it. And it's 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 a song called 1941 by Harry Nielsen. Um and it's 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 it I mean it does have a link to, to betting in, in one sense, yeah. because it's it's the story about the the repeating of human frailties. Um and, and it's, it's about a father who who has a son uh and the, the son is desperate and the father proves not to be a very good father and the son desperately doesn't want to become a repeat of his father but that's precisely what happens he he does become um a poor father himself and, and this story is sort of told through the years and it, it's it's a song that i used to listen to a lot in the car with my pet my dad was a big harry nelson fan and we'd listen to this in the car and it I, I can remember listening to it and just piecing this together and thinking oh this is a really good story I really like the way that I'm learning about this family history and I think very much the way that I write stories um, about golf tournaments and just about about golfers I like to I like to see how, uh, how their careers change down the years and the little echoes when when because of course the great thing with golf is that is that um, so many of the weeks they are repeat you going back to the same place mm. uh often back to the exact same course and 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 there's all these little echoes of the past mm. and and i i like sort of putting those into the back of my mind and knowing that those little echoes will will, will be useful in the future and and just sort of building them into the sort of narrative of what happens um uh so uh, it's i think it's i think it's sort of weirdly I, I can't remember when i i first spotted this i think i might have re listened to the song again and just thought blimey i i didn't realize to what extent this this song's like buried itself in its head and like and and, and had an influence on in how i how i write but um i think the repeating patterns uh, perhaps i hadn't thought of it as a, as a link to the to betting but um in some senses there's that as well Uh, i I, I like i like a lot of harry nelson actually i think he's um he's he's one of those characters who's slightly forgotten and uh and and uh quite an interesting character did quite a lot of stuff with the beatles and um yeah yeah very nice singer
0: Okay, so that's our next song on the pod and um, uh, I'll be uh, in, intrigued to um, uh, see if uh, anyone can pick up on the on the influences uh, across uh, uh, Matt's, Matt's writing style, but um, yeah, Harry Nielsen, 1941, and that's our next song on the pod, uh, and um, back to the picks, and I'm going to let you go through a couple of yours now, because you've got a couple more around that sort of 40-50 to one mark uh, including actually someone I considered quite quite strongly and was on last week but I've um he was my sixth man if you like a little bit like you, so um uh yeah I believe you got a Canadian and a Korean for us uh Matt.
1: Yep um I'll, I'll kick off with Siwoo Kim who I think was he your sixth man?
0: He, he was my sixth he man was. I'm a bit yeah. of a Siwoo fan as regular listeners and readers of mine all know.
1: Yes uh yeah me too and I'm hoping that there's like a talking of echoes uh I hope there's an echo of, of, of um I I put him up when he won the Amex um uh was that like 15 months ago i think, it was I, think uh, it was I was
0: there for exactly the same reason you're going to say the uh the pete dialing
1: yeah yeah and it was uh it was just that lovely thing that when you suddenly discovered that the pete die stadium course was going to be used three times it was like oh yeah, on yeah. A second. uh see really likes uh really likes a pete Dye design he's he won um yeah. at tpc sawgrass has an excellent record there he withdrew mm. this year but um he's never missed a cut uh yeah. otherwise uh, so he's got that American Express um, victory. Yeah. Um, and then um, I i don't think I will be alone in, in liking people who are very good at Sedgefield at Harbour Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's, there's a, a long list of people who have finished top three at both venues. And indeed, there's also a fairly long list of people who've won at both venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Siwoo Kim isn't only a winner at Sedgefield. He's just got a spectacular record there. Um, mm. In fact, actually, only only like last year, there was that m- massive playoff, wasn't there? there? Was six men in the playoff. And yeah. you've got Kistner, yeah. who's who's done well at Harbour Town. You've got Brandon Grace, who's won there. Yeah. And Seawood Kim was also a-, a loser there. And then he's, he's in very solid form, 14 cuts made in his last 15 yeah. starts. And then, in actual fact, he's a playoff loser at the at the course. So this was... uh,
0: yes, I was on him. Uh, there's Satoshi Kodaira. Yes, <laughs> I'm like yeah. still trying to trying to work out how Siwoo lost that one. He looked like he had it in the bag, and it was um, yes, yeah, Satoshi was holding everything he could possibly hold, and Seewu suddenly couldn't hold a five footer down the last five or six holes, and I think literally hole after hole he was missing, you know, sort of five footers for birdie yeah. and what have you, and uh, yeah, then the rest was history in the playoff. But um, uh, yes, yeah, so I remember it well so so yeah the one thing that put me off siwu this week and got the line through at the last um was uh, again, I mean, not just the fact that obviously he was. Uh, I mean, he, I know he faded um yesterday, which was unfortunate because I was on him, uh, but uh, he was in place contention until sort of uh, um, I don't know about sort of uh, coming to his back nine yesterday where it started to unravel a little bit, but he started well yesterday, which made me think that uh, he could sneak into the place and he was really strong Saturday as well until he double bogeyed 18, but um, uh, but it's he's he's now been um on the um on the go for uh, three weeks, if you like, because, of course, there was the match play where he, he uh, again, actually, I backed him that week cause it's a Pete Dyke course, so I tried him there as well. Uh, and uh, he actually played um, pretty strongly and just lost out to Hatton, getting out of the group. Um, uh, and then um, he, he was in Texas, so I'm, I'm thinking, is he running out of steam a little bit? And uh, uh, that was the one thing that put me off a little bit um. this week. But otherwise, yeah, every everything you say is, 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 is spot on. So uh, uh, I'll be... Um, cringing on, I mean obviously I'll be cheering you on but I'll also be <laughs> cringing on Sunday if uh, uh, you know what it's like when the sixth man on, the, on your list uh, yeah. uh, delivers the goods, we've all been there so um, and um, yeah the other one, um, Hadwin I believe who's been playing some great goal for late.
1: Yeah so um, I saw that he got he's got three top tens in his last three starts, one of those is Innesbrook which is a place that he's he's uh, won up previously and is um, has been often Referenced by golfers themselves as being somewhat similar to Harbour Town. I mean, uh, they say that, but I, I I can think of two reasons why it's not like um, a Harbour Town. And it's got big greens and it's quite undulating, but um it, it does call upon similar sort of skill sets. It's blustery and breezy. It tends mm. to be It tends to be medium um medium longish hitters rather than long hitters who thrive there. Um, so that, I think that was a nice fit. Um, and then what? with that good form i was slightly surprised when i saw his price uh and then of course you go and look at his course record and it's kind of it's a bit ordinary uh, he's made four mm. cuts from six starts but hasn't got a top 20 um, so i was a little yeah. bit put off but i thought well i'll keep digging um and uh, his some of his stats are fairly good he's i think he's topped the tee to green stats and also been top two ball striking twice um he needs to find something on the greens but that uh, that's within his realms it's quite possible he can Mm -hmm. do that um ultimately this is one of those ones that um i sort of half expected him to be um 33s and i'd be like what's he what's he that for um and then Mm -hmm. went and thought the price was was bigger than i expected so um Mm -hmm. um i was happy to go with him
0: yeah, uh, it's one of those. I mean, he's he's the hot hand at the moment, isn't he? And sometimes, obviously, yeah. Um particularly on Pete Dye designs, actually, you sort of see it at Sawgrass as well. Sometimes, you know that yeah, uh, um, that, that, that being a hot hand coming in, sort of you know, when KJ Choi won at Sawgrass, and uh, he was on a great role. and uh, Pete Pete Dye is often. Uh, throws you the type of track, but uh, if you if you're playing well, you find your fairways, you find your greens, you hold your putts, and you can score. But um, e- equally, if you're struggling and uh, uh, y- you know you're you're missing your fairways and stuff, you can be made to look very stupid very quickly. So uh, I, I can uh, I can see the log- logic with Hadwin certainly uh, uh, bringing in the form he's he's bringing in at the moment. So um, of the I mean, there's a few before we get uh, onto shall we say some of the more speculative selections uh price wise um any of the English guys appeal to you around there. I mean, obviously we talked about the Irish guys, um, Shane, Shane Lowry. And uh, as I say, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick is a, um, uh, a self-confessed lover of Hilton heads. Um, and of course he's been playing some great golf of late. So, um, uh, t- t- Tommy Fleetwood, um, you would think this would be his type, type of track. Did, uh, did any of those, um, English guys interest you at all? Uh, um, Matt? I did.
1: I, I was, I was, um, slightly interested in, in Tommy Fleetwood and, I I, I I don't know will Will Till Hatton be um, so uh, happy to be freed of his Augusta shackles that he will yeah. um, he, he will sort of bounce back um, happily? I don't I don't know. Uh, uh, Tommy, I would I would love to see Tommy win uh, on the PJ Tour, and I, I think this might be a nice a nice uh, a nice link to my uh, my final selection of um, those lying eyes by the Eagles, which um, yeah. uh, which takes me back to Challenge Tour Grand Final. And also allows me to to link. Also, you 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 spotted that in one of my pieces last week. I talked about how my mother frets about Tommy Fleetwood covering his yes. expenses every week, yeah, um, yeah. which which seems utterly absurd. But uh, uh, my mom does live in a, in something of a dream world when it comes to golf, mm. and uh, even yeah. to the extent that last last Thursday when I went round to see them for something to eat, um, she was asking me if is this the green jacket thing? Uh, yeah, that's right, mom. Um, um, but yeah, she, she, she saw Tommy pop up on the screen and was like, is he, is he gonna cover his expenses? And um, she does this routinely and I I allow her to live in a dream world because if I tell her how much money they make, she will be utterly appalled. Uh, she, she sort of thinks that they're shuffling around for, for expenses and stuff. So, But the yes. reason for this is that um, I used to go to Challenge Tour Grand Final when it was at San Domenico in Italy, which was like an utterly barking mad location and um that's where i first met tommy fleetwood and discovered that yeah he really is like a, a, a lovely bloke uh yeah. and my mom picked up on the fact that this that fella tommy uh, and he's nice and so she always kept her eye on 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 his yeah. his career and um the reason i picked um those lying eyes is that um one night in san domenico we went to a tiny little bar and um it was one of my favourite evenings on tour uh, because this this bar there was nobody in it and it was it was a strange place. We were getting red wine out of a, a big Ribena carton. Um, it was red wine, not not Ribena, and they were pouring it into these little beakers. It was like being at a primary school, except it was alcohol, not Ribena, and it wasn't very nice. And we we're about to leave, and then we you just got this weird sense that that magic was being sprinkled on the place. Cause a really weird collection of characters started coming in um, yes yeah. it, uh, it was Argentinian caddies Spanish caddies uh, glamorous women um, um, a man beautifully dressed who was from Serbia and who I'm convinced to this day was a people trafficker or something appalling um, uh, people in velour tracksuits um, fishermen and, and they started to sing karaoke and Nick Roger, who some of your listeners might follow on Twitter and read mm. is a Scottish journalist who tweets and writes in Scottish vernacular and is a, one of the most fantastically funny people um, and a wonderful writer. Um, I had no idea, but it turns out he's a very, very good karaoke singer and he picked these Those Lying Eyes by The Eagles and he did such a magnificent rendition of this that the italian fishermen who i ought to add by this point were, were wearing nothing but their pants um for, for reasons that are, are utterly beyond me they lifted nick mm-hmm. onto their shoulders and were clawing at his clothes trying to get him down to his pants it was the most bizarre evening ever the, the the caddies were loving it um to this to this day there's one there's one argentinian caddy who if i go to a tournament and he catches my eye he will literally start miming clawing at clothes <laughs> Up, up above. I mean, he's, he's done it at the Open. He'll literally be on the uh, fairway okay. and he'll spot me and he'll wave at me and starts starts miming what these Italian fishermen were doing. It's not only barking mad, uh, okay. bark, barking mad uh, evening. And then next next day, the Grand Final concluded, which was is the Grand Final when Andrea Pavan and Tommy Fleet went head to head. And uh, mm. here's next, here's a reason why Tommy's so nice. When he was asked afterwards because he lost to Andrea Pavan, he, somebody said mm. to him he disappointed me, he said well no, I've, I've won the rankings and it and and i've done well in england and it's nice for andrea to win it to, to win italy it's nice nice to share it out um so um every, every bit as lovely as everybody thinks uh, and pavan's a nice bloke as well uh, and, and i i think there are so many people who will be delighted that he seems to be playing so much better play, after yeah, some horrific times the last couple of years
0: Yeah, he's he's being there. It's good to see him begin to find his game again. So um I've had a couple of bizarre nights in Italian bars in my time, but I'm gonna save those toys for another another pod. But I'm not sure if they will um uh outstrip the one you've just uh if you pardon the pun. Um uh outstrip (laughs) the one that um uh you you've just told. So uh yes, um uh but uh um so yeah, Tom I mean I've never
1: met Tommy but he, he.
0: strikes uh, strikes you as an absolutely smashing guy so he's um he's he's not a million miles away from my part of the world i, I, so, I don't um... i
1: don't think it I, I i don't think it's coincidental that he bears uh, my mother was brought up a roman catholic and um, <laughs> uh, around her family home there were lots of statues of jesus and i think her her fondness for him is is not unrelated to the fact that he, uh, he yeah. has an uncanny resemblance to all those statues of jesus <laughs> even even <laughs> down to the eerily bright blue eyes it's it's yeah it's astonishing. <laughs>
0: yeah well hopefully he gets a win on the pga tour soon and in theory you'd think this would be his kind of track, but um uh he's um yeah he, he's sort of bubbling under at the moment so maybe this will be the week that uh he, he puts it all together so um moving on to my next section oh, my section next selection um i'm gonna go with a player who's been a bit of a sort of a thorn in my side um positive and negative to be fair over the last um a couple of months or so and that's uh troy Merritt. uh and uh, i latched on to him at pebble beach uh, earlier in the year where he did a, a, a great turn um placing at uh three figure odds getting a full place uh and um that was on the back of sort of solid play solid approach stats um on the season um you know some solid stuff um uh pre um pre the christmas break and he was just sort of getting up and running again at pebble i think that was maybe his second start of the the new year and uh, it's a course that um, he's uh, uh, he, he's played well at before. So um, and um, he, he duly did the goods for us there uh, to do with the goods. And then uh, I was on him at the Valspar a, a few weeks back and he was in handily placed for a place going into Sunday. And he had an absolute horror show uh, on Sunday. It was like sort of head-in-your-hand stuff. He was something like sort of six over through the first six holes or something, which just came absolutely out of nowhere because he'd been so solid the first three days. It was just um, uh, mind-blowing, really. So, And, of course, then he steadied the ship and sort of plodded around in level par, or whatever the rest of the round, but the, the job, you know, the, the, the damage was done, as it were. So, uh, And, of course, uh, he rubbed salt into the wound the week after when I wasn't anywhere near him um playing really solidly on the sunday to um place place fourth um uh, at uh, the valero so um so frustrations to one side there's there's no doubt that troy merritt is sort of on a shall we say, a little bit of a uh, a curve towards uh, or a trend towards potentially his third PGA Tour win. And uh, when he is on song, and I mean, he's, he's one of those slightly mercurial players, but I mean, he's only missed three cuts in 14 starts this season. So he's been a lot more solid. Uh, he He's very sort of, you know, quite a neat and tidy player. And he's the kind of player who, who, as shown by the Pebble Beach performance, um, can play well at this kind of track. So uh, he's got um, uh, a couple of other um, top tens here, um, a couple of of top tens here, a tenth and a third uh, in amongst, of course, a couple of missed cuts, because again, that's the type of guy he is. Uh, But um, he's Coming here on the back of the good week at the Valero, so uh, he's um, he's someone I just thought I'd give another chance to. He put, he's putting really well at the moment, and um, uh, yeah, I, I think um, it, it could be another big week for him. I think he's he's trending. He's due a third win, um, and uh, he, he's trending towards it. And he, you've got to think he's going to put it all together one week. So uh, eighty to one, uh, I was fancy, uh, happy to give him another chance. Uh, fancied he could have a, have a big week. So that's my next pick, um, Troy Merritt, uh, and uh, I believe. I we've now got a player that we're both on, Matt. So um, I'm gonna let uh, it's a week of we're talking Matts everywhere this week, aren't we? We're talking the uh, uh Matt Coocher and um um uh now we're on to uh um uh, Matthew Naismith. And um I'm gonna let you make the case for Matthew Naismith as the guest, but I believe we both probably are thinking very much along the same lines with uh Matthew Naismith.
1: Uh yeah, I'm slightly I'm slightly envious of him that he's stuck with Matthew. I wish I'd done that because I think everybody's called Matt. Uh, it's it like the bane of my life, uh, but um, but what unbelievable first world problems that. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Um, of course he played really well at Innisbrook. Um, just two starts ago for him, leading at halfway, yeah. finished third. Uh, Top the strokes gained approach stats, third tee to green. Um, so that that had him on my shortlist. Um, I also I quite like I quite like somebody who plays well. Tends, And I think what tends to happen and then they have a bad week. And mm. sometimes their price just bounces back to where it was in the past. And, and I mm. sort of think, I think there's a, there's a, a very real thing in golf that even duffers like us understand. If, if you have a good round, you get quite excited. and you think your next round is going to be good and you go out and you have an absolute shocker mm. and it's all about high expectation and it, it's a, mm. it's a killer in golf. And, and I think the same thing happens with with professionals that they get a bit giddy when they have a good week. uh They they sort of don't do great. But actually, I tend to I tend to think quite a lot of the time the good golf's still there. It's it's just they've just got ahead of themselves a little bit. So I, I I quite often like it when a when a, a it, it, not so much if if the price doesn't bounce back to a big one. But in this case, it did and it has. Mm. So uh, that that was my first thought, and then. Yeah, you go and do a bit of digging and discover that, you know, he's a member at Harbour Town. He's won a tournament there, albeit a junior one. But, um, mm. you know, his, his game is a nice fit for the place. And then he's also yeah. been proposed to his wife there. Prosed his wife there. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. said yes. <laughs> so <Yeah. sorry. laughs> could, could have been an issue. <laughs> I know I, I, it's, it's, oh it's classics, isn't it? It's like, it's like it's yeah. when we come to a course that uh, is on somebody's doorstep, everyone goes, well, he's a local. They'll know it really well. Um, It's entirely possible that um, Mm. he he knows it well enough to know that he hates it. We we forget Mm. that sometimes. Yeah. So so when I read that he he proposed there, I was like, well, that's great. So long as she said yes, and she did. (laughs) So that's good news. Um, Yeah. So um, yeah, Yeah. simple things, but um, he's he's quite a big price given those things. So I was more than happy.
0: Yeah, he's a. I mean, it's the third year running. I backed him there, and uh, he was a little bit disappointing last year, but the first year, which of course he was far less experienced player than he is now and hadn't um, uh, had the sort of uh, cut and thrust of being in the hunt um, like he's got to back up from a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, he, he was really solid for the first two rounds and was right in the mix at halfway. And then he sort of faded gradually. This was back in 2020 when it was a really, really strong field as well, because it was one of those events straight up back out after COVID where everyone wanted to just tear up and play. So, um, so uh, and yeah, like you say, he's he's he's, um, he's gave his tailor mate for this course anyway with his approach play uh, um, you know, he was on fire, obviously, with the Irons at uh, the Valspar a, a couple of weeks back. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Happy to um, uh, give, give Matt a chance. Um, one more from me before we talk a little bit more music. And... Um I'm getting into uh, the realms of um, uh, my my sort of uh, longer price plays now, which is the way I've gone. Um, not that Matthew Nathan is not a longer price play, but uh, uh, I'm going um, two hundred to one and above for my final three three picks. So, uh, uh, and uh, my first one is another of another former, well, another former champion here. We've had Matt Kucha already, uh, and uh, it's Wesley Bryan. And um, uh, Wesley Bryan, he just missed out on fulfilling his medical extension. Uh, a a few weeks back uh, at, um, uh, at, so was it the Velspar? But uh, yeah, Um, yes, it was the Velspar, I think. Uh, And he's um, now playing on sort of past champion status and what have you, because he was a champion here, of course, which is uh, uh, one of the main uh, pluses for for backing him this week naturally uh he's another South Carolinian native um he's uh the only South Carolinian native I believe to ever win this tournament so uh that was obviously a, a huge um a huge feather in his cap when he uh picked the trophy up here uh but um when he, he sort of didn't quite uh, get um get what he needed at uh, the Valspar uh on the fedEx Cup points point, point of view he he went off to the Coralas and played really solidly he finished 15th and that was a weaker field but still he had a strong Strong week, and he went full at the weekend. It wasn't like he was up there and then sort of faded and what have you. So, um, so he can take great heart from that. And, um, whilst he's been a little wild off the tee and obviously he's not the longest off the tee either, either of course um the drive can stay in the bag quite a lot this week and uh, his approach play is actually the strongest part of his game which uh, ties in nicely uh here he's ranked uh, in the top 30 in approach play on tour so um he's also um, well, 32nd actually so sorry fraction outside the top 30 but uh so so he's got the game for this course and, and it wasn't like his win here was the only time he's played well uh last year when he was Shown absolutely nothing. Um, he still managed to finish twenty fifth here. He's made the cut each time since uh, since he won. So he's obviously got the affinity to the venue. Uh, and um, I just thought there was enough there uh, with uh, the performance at the is to to think, okay, maybe the pressure's off almost now because um he doesn't have um have, you know he's just getting the starts he gets and he's obviously in as a past champion this week and uh uh maybe he's just going to free it a little bit um and uh 250 to one uh i i thought he was worth risking so um that's my case for wes Bryan, and i will come on to my other couple of longer shots um afterwards but um we're going to talk a little bit more more music now because that's obviously uh um uh sort of one of the uh the main threads of the pod alongside the golf and uh we get into the back nine challenge matt so uh, um and um i'm actually going to uh tweak one of the questions in the back nine challenge this week which i haven't uh um told you yet so um because uh, i'm gonna do it so first of all um uh, your first record or cd bought um uh
1: matt uh, I, I remember this quite clearly because uh, I went with my sister to the shops. She bought uh something by Captain Beaky. Do you remember that? That yeah. was like some sort of bizarre I television. Do series. remember that? Yes. Yeah. yeah um, you going to
0: say Captain Beefheart there? And so she was really uh, trendy that, was a, and that said... would have been very
1: cool. That would have been very <laughs> cool because at the time she would have been about four years old. But m- but mine was <laughs> sort of weirdly weirdly quite cool. It was um, for some under-, under reason Brian Clough had a single it's a double a side um and um i've I've got and lost the lost the thread and what the what uh, it's only a game that's what it's called brian clough it's only a game yeah seven inch single yeah that's the first thing i ever bought
0: right okay Well, well i'm asking you the next question which is best golf winner um i'm gonna see if it's on spotify because i might just in the madness of this week's pod put it on yeah that would <laughs> but, be perfect
1: yeah um
0: yeah um so your uh your best ever golf winner um it must uh, be the
1: biggest money but you know
0: sort of uh, the one that uh, well, means the I, most th- I, I think
1: it's my favorite it would be um it would be right at sort of the start when i uh, the a laugh about one doesn't really count because it was just out, that was out of the blue, and it was probably yeah. uh, six or seven years later. I started getting into into golf, um, and I went. I actually worked at the British Masters when, Johan uh, Edfords won, uh, and I think I was on him at something. He'd he'd won in China, and. Sorry, that's, Ryan. Wow.
0: that's Stop, it. Ryan. Stop. I'm going to get down on. I've got to stop him. <laughs> there you go, Brian. Sorry, Can I get done on copyright there? Do you think, I, know I before, think I think we'll be fine, no, Brian Clough. So uh, no, uh, no, we but, won't get it out and we'll run with it and see what happens. And if I get the Clough I, family onto me, then uh, yeah, I'll have to do I, it I it think
1: after. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. Um, I, I, I know a very good story about Brian Clough about what a generous man he was <laughs> to one of his players via because my, bizarrely, my, one, my, one of my dad's school friends actually played for Derby County during Clough's. Wonder years, Alan Hinton. Do you know the le- left? Winger? I remember
0: the name, I remember the name, yeah, yes.
1: yeah. yeah. So, so I, but so we, the Clough family, we can, we can get on side with them with a good story. Um, um so, have, um, you told
0: us our, no side I, have you told us your best golf winner yet? Or I, I haven't of, yet. It was Joe and,
1: so it was <laughs> Joe and Ed Fors when he won the British Masters, and I think right. it was something stupid like 400 on Betfair. Uh, okay, and I particularly liked I was this is this is mad. I was actually marshalling at the Belfry that year. And yep. I, I did it because I wanted to see every player go through the field from betting purposes, just to see what they were like. I mean, and I have no idea what value I thought I was going to get out of that exercise, but I did. And bizarrely, Joanne Fawzi's, um manager walked past me on, I think, the Friday, and I said, oh, I've, I've got money on him to win this week. And he laughed mm-hmm. and went, that's ridiculous. And uh, But on a Sunday, he won. And I, 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 to this day, I think, I wonder what his, wonder what his manager thought about that oddball telling him that he'd he backed into to win. Um, so I think that's I think that's my biggest prize winner. Although I was also on Ricardo uh, Gonzalez when he won in Sweden at something similar. So it's one or other of those.
0: Okay. Uh, and the flip side of the coin, your worst ever beat.
1: Oh, crikey. Um,
0: the one that stung the most where uh, Siwoo Kim couldn't hold a five-footer over the last four holes at, uh,
1: ooh, at Hilton Head, uh... et cetera. I I can't remember, but I did I did have a protracted run of of something like about six months when I had I had like thirty six or fifty four whole leaders and I, it was something stupid like about eighteen of them and none of them won. I mean you wouldn't mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe it possible that you could have yeah. you could. I, I, yeah. I, but I can't I can't think of anything off the top. I actually quite like that. I quite like the bad beats because somebody once said to me that that gamblers are always coming up and telling me about all their wins. So, and I've, yeah. I, I, it's I, I, it's always reminded me now that if ever if ever tell anybody about a win, I always tell them about when something rubbish happens because I just let them yeah. know that there's loads of lots there's loads of losses. Otherwise, you don't look like a bit of the clown yeah
0: I, i'm i'm sort of on i mean i'm not quite on um 18 in um uh, sort of uh f- six months or whatever but i'm on uh, not necessarily 54 old leaders but i'm on one of those runs at the moment where ever since uh, tom hoagie uh, uh delivered the goods for us at uh, pebble um I, i'm on one of those runs where i've got players in the frame, in the hunt coming into Sunday, and like Troy Merritt I mentioned at the Valspar a couple of weeks ago, and they just seemed to go the wrong way. Shane, Shane Lowry, um, uh, the players uh, slipped out of the the odds uh, of, the, of the places. Uh, Bo Hosler a couple of weeks ago in Texas, um, uh, obviously that was a painful watch over the back nine when I was on him at 125-1, so so I'm on sort of one of those trots at the moment, so I can sympathise slightly with those, and I, I keep thinking though know, yesterday when the final round started, I thought, I Okay, well, realistically, we've not got a winner here, have we? Shane Lowry starting, you know, sort of uh, how many back he was. But uh, I thought just may- maybe it's our week, you know, may- maybe um, not wishing it on Scotty Scheffler, but maybe he shoots seventy five, and um, uh, Cam Smith shoots seventy three, and Shane Shane slips through on the inside, as it were. But uh, um, so I'm hoping, and maybe this will be the week that it all uh, it all comes together. So I can sympathise with you, with, with, with you there on a trot like that. That must have been pretty grim. Um, Four ball, uh, your dream four ball, musicians or golfers only, dead or alive?
1: Uh, I, I, I remember this coming to me um, weirdly um, a couple of years ago when I said my granddad um, loved golf and played at a nine hole golf course uh, near where he lived in the West Midlands. And every year he would play Burnham and Barrow, I think it's called a, a Lynx course near Western Supermare. And it, it, that was his one round of 18 hole golf every year. And it was the, the occasion that he loved, but he, 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 A, he never knew that I took the game up because he died shortly before I started playing golf. Um, and okay. it, 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 he would have been gobsmacked to know that I'm currently doing the job I'm doing, um, mm-hmm. w- watching golf. Um, and my first memory of golf is actually absurd. Cause I was like ridiculously young at the time, but I can remember him, Prompting me to watch the 1984 Open, and uh, he was actually a big Tom Watson fan, um, and um, so I don't actually remember the Seve thing. I just remember him being slightly gutted that Tom Watson mm. mucked up the road hole. Uh, but um, so I would actually like to play with him, and I would probably I would play Sevy and Tom Watson because that would have got a big smile on my granddad's face. I think.
0: Okay, well that um, yeah, well yeah, not going to argue any of those selections. So. Um... Now, the next question this is the one I'm going to sub out because, um, I mean, you're welcome to tell me in one in a one-word answer if you want your favourite course on the PGA Tour. But instead, I'm going to ask you a question which I'm throwing complete curveball here because it's reminds, it was something I wanted to ask you since I read your piece at the Open last summer. Uh, so maybe I'm completely wrong here, but um, do we both share a penchant for carry-on films? And I want to know what your favourite top three carry-on films are. And uh, uh, if you don't actually like carry-on films after all that, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I... Um, you know, so, sorry, just, sorry back to interrupt before we everyone who's listening and first of all everyone in America has absolutely no idea what I'm talking about here so sorry um, and if you go online you can get a clip of Carry On film but this This comes from the fact that um, Matt went in a pilgrimage for Charles Hawtrey's house uh, down on the Kent coast uh, last year and I'll let you explain who Charles Hawtrey was and if indeed you do like Carry On films or not and if you don't then
1: obviously you're not are not going to answer the question but yeah so, so the good news is, I'm a hu- I'm a huge Carry On of film fan. <laughs> However, there is a um, there is a rider on that um, the um, the early Carry Ons um, uh, written by Norman Hudis, uh, I think is the pronunciation is. They're kind of a, a bit tame. I like the ones yeah. written by Talbot Rothwell, and I I specifically don't like the late era ones that weren't written by him, which are uh, appalling and. And actually, let you know the difference between just crude and and yeah. actually uh, tongue in cheek. So um, yeah, so that that, that, that uh, yeah. So I, I love that middle period when Talbot Rothwell was writing them. Uh, uh, Charles Hawtrey is a wonderfully camp, uh, very British uh, character actor who 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 played an extraordinary. I was going to say an extraordinary range, but that's exactly what it wasn't. <laughs> he, he played yeah. the same role in every single film. Uh, in the yeah. carry-ons and uh, and he lived in um deal which um is a town nearby sandwich and on i think it was on the wednesday evening at the open last year uh my campsite was at the, it was beyond deal so i i did like a nine mile walk across the golf course yeah. across royal st port's golf course because i wanted to have a look at that as well um, and yeah. i went into deal and i went to see um Charles Hawkesworth's house for no other reason than I just thought it's quite funny. I <laughs> went to the bar where the poor bloke used to get drunk because he was a terrible drunk, uh, and it's mm. also where he he passed out prior to, to unfortunately dying. And then uh, mm. and then I walked along the coast to my uh, to the pub and then to my campsite, and it was fantastic. And rather bizarrely, I um, I've explained to you, but not to listeners. I was in Mauritius last week, at a tournament on the Legends Tour, and I was talking to a fellow called Peter Wilson, who has a very remarkable story. He was a builder um who liked golf and decided at the age of 50 to join the senior tour so he prepared himself for it and he's, he finished 11th on the rankings last year extraordinary story um, and, and 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 he bizarrely um more or less lives next door to where charles Hawtree um um wow. uh, lived so so bizarrely my, my activities a couple of weeks ago are uh, linked in with this bizarre tale of going to see where charles Hawtree lived but I, I love ridiculous things like that. that. That's one of my favorite things about going to all the various places that you go to to watch uh, yeah. golf. There are always oddball links to British light entertainment and um, even down to the I once went to a, a ladies European tour event in Malaga and on the way back um, as, I was, as I was, you know when you go through the x-ray machine and there was an old man looking very harassed at the mm-hmm. end of the x-ray machine conveyor belt. And as I got mm-hmm. up there, I realized it was Bruce Forsyth. Now, Bruce Forsyth obviously right. liked, loves his golf. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and But initially, I just noticed he was an old man who was very harried. And I said, are you, are you okay, Bruce? And he said, I can't find my wife, can't find my wife. And I turned around, and I could see her. She was, she was beyond was I said, are you okay? She's there. And he sort of calmed down. And um, we got chatting, and he says, oh, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I've just been to a golf tournament. Oh, Laura Davis won. And he went, I oh, know, I know. And I, bear in mind, all this time, I'm watching him. Collect all his stuff off a conveyor belt. Mm. And all I can think in my head is sort of yeah. like, camera, passport, <laughs> cuddly toy. And so I can't yeah. possibly say this to Bruce. It's just ludicrous. You, I can't, and I can't come up with any of these stupid catchphrases. And then I say this about Laura Davis, and he just turned around to me and went, I, I know, I saw it. Didn't you do well? I was like, I can't yeah. believe it. Bruce, what a star. He's, uh, yeah. you, you, you think it's too cheesy to come out with yourself, and he comes out with it himself. Uh, just brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I love, I love all those like links to to stupid light entertainment and stuff. Brilliant. Well, top three carry on films then. Oh gosh, yes. Uh, so I would go with. Um, funny enough, I read something the other day that said that um, carry on abroad was rubbish. Um, um, oh gosh, I, no! Now that's in my oh, top I, three. Yes, I mean, I mean I would put that at number three. You really put me under pressure here. Uh, um, <laughs> I would put that at number three. Um, I would. Be a it would be a little bit tricky for my number two, but I think I would go with. Uh, and this is this might be a slightly controversial one. Um, uh, I quite like carry on at your convenience. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, my number one, and actually, there's even a, uh, this is unbelievable. I literally referenced this when I was in Mauritius because the the last the, the first two days, well, the tournament was quite. Cra- was called off because there was torrential tropical rain and yeah. on the saturday night there was a reception and the bar had got like a thatched roof and the water was streaming down this thing like i've never seen and it started to drip at one point and i said this is magnificent it's like it's like it's like we're in the embassy and carry on at the Kaiba. it's like the, the place <laughs> is falling to bits around us but we're just happily sloshing cocktails and getting on with it so um so number one will be carry on at the Kaiba for me
0: I would have if if you'd gone for the other obvious one then I think we would have exactly the same top 3. Um I would have carry on at the Kyber in the top 5. Uh, but um I would um have probably carry on at your convenience number 3 and it's very very close and between carry on abroad and camping which is the obvious one I know carry on camping yeah. but I just think it's it's hilarious but uh, camping uh, is so I was oh, going to say at this point. Sorry, Matt. I was just going to say for American listeners, or indeed anyone over the age of under the age of twenty-five who is listening to this who has not got a clue what we're talking about. To sum up, Carry On films. I mean, they would almost, to be honest, these days. I'm surprised they get away with showing them still. To be honest, because uh, um, it would not put it past someone to say that they should be banned for various reasons predominantly Sid James being a fairly sort of lecherous old man and on them and what have you but it's it's done as Matt said at the beginning in a sort of comical way and it's just full of cliched stupid jokes that um you know isn't that isn't that a lovely pair you've got there where someone's eating a piece of fruit and all that kind of nonsense and uh, but it's done go online and look at them I would, I would like to do an experiment where you put um 20 people under the age of 25 in a room and make them watch a carry-on film and see what they make of them because they probably think they were disgusting and awful and should be banned and what have you maybe i'm, I'm I, wrong yeah,
1: but uh, I, I i would weirdly argue however but i actually i'm quite a big fan of carry-on um girls as well which I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I and and for these reasons, I think that Talbot Rothwell, the writer, was actually quite clever because mm. Carry On the Kaiba um, is actually forever poking fun at British imperialism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Carry On Girls is always poking fun at male chauvinism. Uh, mm. uh, at, at, at Ditto in Camping and in Carry On at Your Convenience, um, there's a lot of poking fun at both the establishment and the unions so yeah. in actual i actually i think there's a lot of there's quite a lot of anti-establishment um stuff going on there but um i, I know what yeah. you mean there's, there'll be plenty of people yeah. who wouldn't get it but um yeah i think it's, i think it's a little bit more so, that, well I'm, I'm risking being made a complete fool so it's a bit more sophisticated uh, i'm i probably yeah a little bit more sophisticated than seaside postcard
0: yeah, um, yeah, you're right. And, uh, I, I just love them. and uh, me, me and the wife, love, <laughs> we watch them or pre-watch them and what have you. They come on every – I mean, we've got the box set, so they come on every year on ITV3 around Christmas and you sort of take them all again and watch them again and, and, and what have you. Uh, my wife gets quite annoyed when I call her <coughs> being a bit dune-like whenever we are um, at some (laughs) kind of hotel hotel, and she's going, oh, could you go and get them to get an extra blanket for the room or, or, you know, this pillow's too lumpy or something. And I'm I'm like, God, you're just being dune, you know, too hot, too cold and what have you from (laughs) Carry On uh, Abroad. So um, anyway, uh, so that's Carry On Films and um, we are off the same page on our top three carry-on films. I've been um, dying to ask you about that ever since uh, I knew you were coming on. Um, right. Um, rattling on because we are, um, of course, uh, uh, beginning to think we're uh, going to be uh, overstaying our welcome with some people time-wise as, uh, as, as we get to the 90-minute mark, I think. Um, so, your most tro- most treasured record, uh, desert, your one desert island disc. Um, uh, oh, crikey. Record. Uh...
1: uh. You know what uh, I I think if I can't think of an mm, I can't think of an album off the top of my head I think actually now I would want Maria Callas's um, greatest arias. Fair enough. I, I, I've I, I've lately got into opera and I, I I quite like Maria Callas. Well, if
0: you don't know Kenny Kim, you should get to know him because uh, he's an opera man as well. So you and you and Kenny would uh, uh, I must admit opera. My my sister was a um, went. Uh, uh, went to music college uh, and um trained and still she's still a singing teacher and trained and performed in a lot of operas when um uh, she was in a sort of teenage and Asian- college uh, music college years and what have you uh and uh i she's um uh she's she's my older sister and she's seven years older than me and i'd be dragged along to operas when i was sort of 12 years old or something i think that was what put me off opera to be honest so uh but um uh yeah so uh operas opera not for me but uh kenny kim's your man on that front uh and um probably same answer as everyone else gives on this one but jack or tiger the goat
1: oh crikey um I, I i you know I don't really know on that um I sometimes think that when when two people are um as good as they are it's it's a little bit like um they're two enormous trees and we can't see the top and see which is the tallest tree uh, and we're so obsessed with trying to work out which of those two trees is the tallest we overlook the fact that those two trees are vastly taller than all the trees around them and that's the thing that really matters so that sounds slightly preposterous and uh but um the point is that they're both so immensely good to celebrate the fact that they're so much better than everybody else and stop fretting about which one's the best
0: fair enough good answer that is this week's back nine concluded and i've still got a couple more picks that i'm going to rattle through so um my final two picks for this week um uh, actually no i've only got one more pick because i've have I talked about um uh, yes i've talked about where's brian i'm gonna confuse my yeah no, i have got two more picks sorry um i'm gonna talk about yet another south carolinian native ben martin um who i'm rolling the dice on at 350 to one and um those who, uh, of course, keep an eye on the tour will know that uh, uh, Ben Martin came very close to getting his second tour win at the Corrales, uh a couple of weeks back. And he basically led pretty much wire to wire until the second 72nd hole when uh, Chad Rainey did for him. And Ben Martin missed a, a fairly shortish putt to uh, uh, force a playoff. So uh, he's... I'd actually backed him at the Corrales the year before uh, when he'd come into the Corrales in some decent form on the uh, Corn Ferry. Uh, this year he came in, well, he barely had a start, to be honest. he made three starts all year and done absolutely nothing. Uh, and, of course, he um, popped up at uh, a huge price um, in, in, in the frame. Uh, so I've kept my eye on He, he performed um, reasonably well at the Valero uh, the following week. And uh, we now come to an event that um, he's got... A little bit of history on uh he's uh, placed um, in, in the top five here before many a moon ago uh he's also had a top five at um sawgrass uh he's got top tens at the windham at the sony he's been third at puerto rico so it's clear that ben martin likes this type of challenge uh and um He was, I mean, he was a former world amateur number one. So, uh, you know, he was a class act back in his day. And uh, uh, he's obviously got the one win on the PGA Tour um, back at the Shriners. And uh, again, I just thought in a week where anything can go sometimes with the bigger names uh, perhaps being a little bit jaded, uh, 350 to 1, I just thought he was worth chancing to build on that Corrales performance uh, uh, at a venue that... um, uh, we know is his type of track. It's a little bit like what you said a minute ago actually, Matt, um um when we were talking uh about um uh, I forgot who was we were talking about uh we were talking about um, someone who'd uh, uh Matt Naismith, that was it, who had uh, done really well and then had a bit of a sort of quieter week afterwards. Well maybe Ben Martin's gonna go on that same uh, uh same road as it were where he had his really strong week um then solid but unspectacular the week afterwards and then, then he bounces back. Uh, so it's Ben Martin and then my final selection where I'm going for 10 places at 250-1, to 1, so I've gone slightly shorter odds but uh, bigger places available with Boiled Sports, uh, is Tyler Duncan. And um, Tyler Duncan is another who fits in the mould of the type of player we're looking at this week. Uh, he's third on tour in driving accuracy uh, this season uh, until he threw in an 82 in his last round at the – Valero, he'd been playing steadily but unspectacularly sort of um three solid finishes running um and uh, of course his one win came at the rsm where he um uh, managed to outlast webb simpson which is no mean feat in that uh that tournament and of course ties him very nicely here another shorter coastal track event so um if he's going to perform anywhere it's going to be at this type of event where a short straight hitter will flourish and say third in driving accuracy uh his um his approach play hasn't uh uh be what he would like it to be so far this season but um um i'm gonna take a chance that uh, uh he can produce the goods on a course which uh, we know is his type of course he, he's not done much here before but he's only played it a couple of times or so and um he did shoot 63 here in round two in 2020 so uh, we know he can produce on the on the course so so, excuse me. That's um, my final pick for the week. Uh, or final two selections: Ben Martin there at Tyler Duncan. Uh, was there anyone? I know you're on Matt Naismith at one two fives with me, but was there anyone else? Sort of right out with a washing odds, odds wise that you um, considered at all, Matt? Or uh, yeah, or... there
1: is actually, and he's sort of my favourite pick of the week. Um, it's almost like one of those ones where it's almost like a, a little bit too neat, and I'm, I'm slightly fretful in that in that regard. But uh, it's Adam Svensson who um, yes. I. I um, Canadian so a second Canadian um, He can get me 200 to 1 this week and um, uh, First thing that piqued my interest. He was 7th at the Sony Open and ninth in the Honda Classic um, And he hit plenty of greens in those two weeks and ranked first tee to green in the latter uh, He also that week said he really loves playing in wind um, So um, I noted that and I've been keeping in mind for for a similar sort of test yeah um and it made me look at where he has won on the second tier mm-hmm. and that made me even more excited so i did the i'm I'm not sure on the pronunciation of this the abaco club in the bahamas yeah yeah um blustery track by the sea among trees on a sort of spit of land that goes out admittedly a lot a lot bluer water than than at, at um hilton head but um sort of you looked at it and sort of go well ooh, that's kind of similar and then the other one was at a place called Deer Creek Course at the Landings Club in Georgia um, which is at literally an island with multiple courses it's a club rather than a resort but weirdly strikingly not similar but uh, uh, you know along the same lines as Hilton Head uh, windy mm. oceanfront fringed by trees and, and he won there as well so I'm sort of like thinking you know this this fella seems to like this sort of thing. He's a, he's a, a debutante, so it's, a, it's yeah. you know, but, at, a, a, trust, but at, yeah. a, at 200 to 1, yeah, that'll do me.
0: Yeah, uh, I was uh, in, in my long line of players who have flopped on Sundays. I was on him at um, the Honda. Oh, uh, love- so, yeah. yeah, so again, exactly the same sort of thing where he's, um, uh, we, yeah, he, he, he pops up as someone who likes this kind of uh, ball-striking, coastal challenge so uh I totally get your logic on him this week and um yeah if I wasn't on Tyler Duncan or Ben Martin I could quite easily be on Adam Adam Svensson so he's got uh Bryson DeChambeau's um old caddy on his bag I don't know if you picked up on that and uh, oh I didn't know uh, that yeah Tim Tim Tucker uh he's on on the bag for him now uh, I'm assuming it's a long-term thing he's certainly been on his bag for the last um couple of months or so and um uh, you, you know, I think um, Tim Tucker. I think rates him very highly, hence he's picked up his, you, you know, his bag. So, uh, uh, and um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him win win this um, season, or certainly uh, come very close to winning again. It's his putting that's been letting him down a bit, but uh, um, he's certainly uh, one for this type of course. So, uh, so that's uh, I think pretty much wraps up our musical picks, uh, or uh, sorry, our golfing picks. My, my musical picks are going to be wrapped up by. Um, just so that you don't think we've lost our indie roots completely. I think we're going to go over indie actually with this and the uh, listeners selection. So, uh, my selection here, I am going to throw in simply cause we're in April and simply cause I love this band. Uh, I'm going to put in April skies by the Jesus and Mary chain. So we will be underneath the April skies, um, in Hilton head this week. And that was good enough for me to get some, some Jesus and Mary chain in. So, um, Next week, um, normally I'll be saying next week we've got so-and-so on as a guest, but um, next week um, I'm actually going to be having a complete week off of – I'm sure I'll sharpen Twitter and say, uh, uh, oh, I like this pairing, but uh, I'm going to be having a complete week off from uh, uh, preview writing, podding, uh, recharging the batteries, so I'll be skipping the Zurich Classic. There won't be any pod. Next week, but we will be back with a vengeance um, for uh, the Mexico Championship new event the week afterwards. So, um, so the final thing is to wrap up this week's free bet winner, and uh, we've got a few suggestions this week, uh, and I'm just going to pull them up again so that uh, oh, I've got them in front of me. Give me a second. What,
1: what, while you do, while you do that, I will just note that um, your selection of Jesus and Mary Chain was was quite apt after my reference of. Uh, Yohan Edfors, of course, he was famously um, the man described as looks like Jesus, puts like Mary.
0: Ah, right, okay, yeah. So, well, that's uh, there. You go, that's a perfect uh perfect reference um uh, someone suggested loser by beck i don't know if that was supposed to be me or uh, <laughs> um, the, uh um, or just uh because we uh, we actually uh, whoever suggested that we we did okay last week so uh, um but um yeah okay uh but it's a good tune so i'm quite happy to see that getting a suggestion um and um we've got all sorts of suggestions uh we've got uh do you feel my love by eddie grant from john everett uh for rory and colin morikawa for their sort of big hug at the end uh nile um thanks nile lines for sending a suggestion we've got um uh lifting by the lighthouse family the um reference to the lighthouse there at uh um head obviously of course at harbour town um, we've got, uh, chocolate salty balls sung by chef, uh, as in, uh, Scotty chef. So, uh, um, yeah, um, interesting selection there. Um, we've got, um, Time for Heroes by the Libertines from Nulty. Thanks, uh, McNulty for suggesting that. And I do like the Libertines, but, um, uh, I'm going to go with, um, greg Petru's uh, selection purely because it's one of my favorite bands again being the indie kid i am uh and um scotty really is leaving them all behind at the moment so it's leave them all behind by ride uh so we're rounding off with a good old indie tune to um sit alongside brian clough where else would you hear that one <laughs> so um so it's leave them all behind by ride and um i'm actually having to see Ride in a couple of weeks they're um uh, performing their uh, 30th anniversary of the Nowhere album tour so I'm looking forward to that in a couple of weeks time so um, so that pretty much wraps it up and apologies we've gone over time slightly um, but um, we, as I say it's been a bit of a bizarre one with um, uh, some cracking tales and weird music um, uh, and um, yeah so um, before we sign off Matt um, remind us first of all of your picks for the week your bets
1: uh, Colin Maricott well see we came Adam Hadwin, Matthew Naismith, Adam Svenson.
0: Marvellous, uh, and for me, uh, it's Matt Kuchar, Troy Merritt, also Matty Naismith, uh, Wesley Bryan, Ben Martin, and Tyler Duncan. Uh, all fifth of the odds first eight, apart from um, Tyler Duncan, who I'm chancing fifth of the odds first ten. Uh, and your musical selections, if you can remember those?
1: Yes, uh, A Shropshire Lad by Sir John Betjeman. Uh, 1941 by Harry Nilsson, uh, Hero by Enrique Iglesias, I have to keep reminding myself of that, Those lion Eyes by the Eagles and It's Only a Game by Brian Clough.
0: The late, the late addition, late substitution of Cluffy in there. <laughs> um, so, uh, And my musical selections, um, we had um, As Good As It Gets by Gene, uh, April Skies by the Jesus and Mary chain, and then the listener's pick is Leave Them All Behind by Ride. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, Matt, before we sign off, remind everyone where they can find your stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm at Matt Co- Golf on twitter uh, uh, you can also find myself at uh um uh, sports uh, the golf section and uh uh i've got unibet and betfair columns and uh, also at global golf post
0: marvellous um matt Thank you so much for joining us. It's been fantastic. It's been, um, yeah, um, wonderful to hear the, the various tales and to find out uh, uh, that you share the same love of Carry On films that I do, which is marvellous. Uh, it's It's been a, a cracker, as they say. So thanks very much, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, and um, we'll see you all in, uh, in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, um, good luck with your bets this week, and don't forget to turn the music up loud. Thank you very much, and good night.